the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Nancy Nethercott, and I'm the missionary in residence uh, here at the table, which gives me great joy to serve in that position. Uh, it's kind of a multifaceted position. And also to be a part of the College of Preachers, um, the preaching team, um, which is just a evidence of the value that our church and our leadership see in equipping and empowering uh, lay leaders. Last week, Father Matt uh, shared with us from the book of 1 John about how we know what love is because of who Jesus is and what he's done. Jesus has also shown us how to abide, what it means to abide in him by how he lived his life in intimate relationship with the father, the gardener or vine grower in our John 15 passage. Today, we proclaim the good news that abiding in Christ is not about working harder, but it's actually an invitation to slow down. Interestingly, uh, this teaching by Jesus comes at an odd time. Uh, the upper room meal is over. Jesus has washed the feet of the disciples. Judas has left to do his deed of betrayal. And Jesus continues to speak to the disciples. Then at the close of what is John 14 for us, Jesus says, come now, let us leave. But they don't leave. They linger. And Jesus just keeps teaching as if there are a few more important things he needs the disciples to remember and to embrace. Jesus knows the trials that are ahead and wants to encourage them and give them hope. He reassures the disciples that they stay close to him, that that's where there's life. They stay connected to him. That's where there's nourishment and to each other to stay connected. That if they do that, they can weather these difficult days ahead. So what can we learn from this near to the end of his life discourse about staying in close relationship with Christ? Here in John's gospel, we find that the love of God revealed in Christ is intimately relational. It's relational between God and Christ. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, Jesus tells the disciples in chapter 14. Jesus doesn't have to do anything to be in relationship with the Father. He can just be in relationship. And then Jesus goes on to say that love is relational between Christ and the Spirit that will follow him, which he calls the advocate or the comforter. And the Greek word is paraclete, which literally means one who walks beside. Jesus is leaving, but he's sending them someone to walk along beside them to help them stay connected. Do I need to do something different? So this paraclete, this one who walks beside, is the one who Jesus is sent, sending to help them stay connected. Again, neither the Holy Spirit nor Jesus 
need to work at their relationship. Just be present to the intimate relationship they have had from the beginning of time. And then we find that the love of God is relational between Jesus and his disciples, his friends, between him and you, and between us with each other. Abide in me, he tells them, as I abide in you. In John, we get the first taste of this trinity, this radical and mysterious Christian idea that God is defined as much by what Rob Bell calls withness as by oneness. That God in God's very self is relational. And the whole divine project from creation to redemption is to gather us in to bring all peoples into the fold of God's love, into that intimate relationship for us to abide in the love of God. There's no call to work or to try harder to enter that relationship. It's an invitation to slow down and be present, responding to the love offered us in Christ. So it's in the spirit of this relational intimacy that Jesus tells the disciples here in the 15th chapter of John, right in the middle of that final night together, I am the vine, my father is the vine grower, and you are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. For as Eugene Peterson's message Bible reads, live in me, make your home in me as I do in you. The word Jesus uses is meno, and depending on the English translation, there are several words that are used to talk about connection or relationship in this portion of scripture. The phrase make our home and words like remain, abide, and dwell are all ones that make us think of being connected or in relationship. And they all have the idea of spending extended time with someone of staying in one place longer than might seem necessary, of lingering, always to stay connected. Jesus goes on to talk about the importance of the branches staying connected to the vine so they can bear fruit. While this passage is certainly also about pruning and discarding unproductive branches and also pruning productive branches so they will bear abundant fruit, that's not our focus for today. One of the things that we are created for is to bear fruit, much fruit. And we're all created uniquely and our fruit will surely be unique. Just as God made all kinds of lovely fruit trees and flowering trees that we see around us now in the spring, he will surely create beauty in each one of us and fruit of all kinds. But it's in our ability to stay connected to that nourishing, loving vine that we're able to bear fruit. Not for our glory, but for the glory of God, as it says in that in verse eight, this is to my father's glory as you bear much fruit. And our Psalm 22 passage that we so beautifully sung this morning reminds us that this bearing of fruit will affect all the families of the earth, all the nations as they will worship before the Lord. We find here a hint also of Revelation 22 as well, where we read that the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. Could our bearing fruit and healthy leaves be a part of the healing of the nations? 
There's a Tanzanian proverb that says, if a tree does not have branches with leaves, it does not have shade. Shade brings healing. Shade draws people into relationship as they gather in a safe, sheltered place. Shade is a place to linger in the coolness. So staying connected to the vine allows us to be branches that grow life-giving, shade-producing, healing leaves and fruit. A number of years ago, someone who knew me well told me uh, quite sarcastically that the epitaph on my tombstone would likely read, Nancy Nethercott, there was always something more to be done. May she finally rest in peace. <laughs> yes, all you Enneagram ones are laughing. Uh, well, that's not exactly how I want to be known and remembered. Um, and it was definitely a Kairos moment. So I asked the Lord to help me figure out what was behind my need to do and work harder and try harder. I realized that I was believing a lie, that my relationship with Christ would be better, closer, if I did more, if I worked harder and was more productive. Can I say that bad news again? It's a lie that in order to be in close relationship, to remain or abide in Christ, we have to work harder. The good news is that abiding in Christ is actually an invitation to slow down. But there's always work to do, good work and fruit to bear, abundant fruit. It doesn't seem productive to stop or to even slow down. Yet that is what God invites us to do when he says in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And in Psalm 37, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Dallas Willard is so well known for saying that we should ruthlessly eliminate hurry, that we should learn to slow down. Jesus modeled what slowing down looks like, or what I call healthy soul care, when he chose not to keep working, not to be ruled by the demands and needs of others, but instead went away from the crowds to pray and just spend time with the Father, abiding. And when he slowed down enough to fall asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm, and we know that he knew the scriptures well, even quoting them often as he interacted with people. So looking at Jesus helps us to have an imagination for the good news that abiding in Christ isn't about working harder and that it is possible to respond to the invitation to slow down, to just stay connected and in relationship. In verse four of this vine and branches illustration, Jesus encourages us that not only do we remain or abide in him, but he remains or dwells with us. As we live in him, he lives in us. He makes his home in us. He also makes it clear that we cannot bear fruit apart from him, no matter how hard we try. Just as branches cannot bear fruit unless they stay connected and draw their nourishment from the vine, Neither can we bear fruit unless we stay connected to Jesus. If we're connected to Jesus, he's connected to us, strengthening us, giving us peace, encouraging us, leading us in wisdom and discernment, and just being present to all of life with us. In Hebrews 13, 5, we're reminded that God will never 
leave us or forsake us. In Matthew 28, 20, which we heard a couple months ago, Jesus told the disciples that he would be with them always, day after day after day. And then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and lead us continually back to the nourishing relationship with the true vine who is eternally connected with the gardener. But practically speaking, how do we live our lives hoping to bear abundant fruit? How do we abide, remain, or dwell in the vine, the true vine in Jesus? How do we care for our souls and slow down instead of trying harder to grow into Christ-likeness? Well, in hopes that my epitaph will read differently when that time comes, I've been embracing a few ways to slow down that I've learned from Jesus and that I'd love to share with you. Intentionally stepping away from the busyness of life and making time for silence and solitude, to be still in the presence of the Lord. Praying. Imaginative prayer and centering prayer are ways to engage contemplatively in dialogue with God. Reading the Bible. Actually dwelling in the word and letting it dwell in us. As we read in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. The ancient spiritual practices of Lexio and Visio Divina are two of the ways to let the word dwell in us as we dwell in the word. Lexio Divina means godly reading and Visio Divina is godly seeing or gazing, referring to how we sit with a passage of scripture, either reading it several times slowly and meditatively or gazing at an art piece informed by scripture as we read or listen to the text. Listening for what the Holy Spirit wants to speak into our hearts and minds to nourish us as we dwell in the word. Father Matt led us in a couple of meaningful Visio Divina experiences during our Lent morning prayer times. And I know that many of you already practice silence or creative prayer, Lexio and Visio. For those of you to whom this is new, um, I think I'll be posting a few links on the weekly email this week and on GroupMe. Um, but even slowing down practices can have the temptation to work harder at them. So it is essential for me, for you, not to see these practices as things we must do, but as a response to God's invitation to just be in intimate relationship with the Trinity and to allow the Holy Spirit to bring about change and growth in our lives. As we make Eucharist together each week, just as we will do today, we participate together in one of the most meaningful ways to slow down and be present in intimate relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Eucharist is an opportunity to abide with Jesus at the table he prepares for us. We are nourished by the bread and wine in order to become healing leaves for the sake of others. Now, if you take out your worship folders, um, I'd like to just lead you in the prayer of response. Because trusting in this good news that abiding in Christ is not about working harder. It's actually an invitation to slow down. Invitations require a response. They invite, they beg a response. And so I encourage you to use this prayer in your worship folder to pray silently in response to this good news. Let us be still. <clears throat> 